Right. Um, last week we, we, we spoke on the marks of a faith-filled life. I'm not going to rehash what we covered last week. If, you didn't, if you're not here and you haven't gone to our website, I want to encourage you to go to our website. By the way, our website is looking fab. If you haven't been to our website after church, please go visit godchurch.co.za. You'll see what, what's happening there. Uh, thank you, Emily and the team, for such great work. Uh, may the Lord bless you for that. Really, really amazing stuff. We are tired of seeing only great things out in the world, and yet the standard should be in the house of God. Do you agree with me? See, the Bible says in the last days, the house of God shall be lifted on top of mountains, and the nations shall say, let us go to the God of Jacob and let him teach us of his ways. So the, the, the church and the kingdom of God is not meant to be underneath somewhere there. Um, and I believe that with all my heart. So back to our series, last week we started on this series on the school of faith and uh, I'm really excited about what God is doing and uh, today we're going to start off from one of the scriptures we covered last week um, in Matthew chapter 17 verse 14. Are we ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Right. Let's go to Matthew 17 verse 14. The Bible says, and when they came to the crowd, a man came to him kneeling down to him and saying Lord have mercy on my son for he is a lunatic and grievously vexed for oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water I don't know what has been your experience uh, in the recent past I don't know whether you've been falling into fires and into waters your life is heavily vexed by stuff uh, you're not alone this, man, uh, ch this man's child was going through that very thing and now he says, I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very moment. Verse 19, Then the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? That's a very common question amongst believers. Yeah. You might not be battling with casting out a demon in your life, but you're battling with lack of job in your life. Yeah. For a long time, you've been trusting God for a job, but doors seem to be closing wherever you go. For a long time, your marriage has been on the rock, and you're saying, Lord, what's happening? Why are things not working out for me? And it looks like you're the last person all the time in your workplace. They tell to, oh, by the way, there is this person. Almost like an afterthought. These disciples were asking that very pertinent question to Jesus. And they said, but Lord, can you explain to us why are things not working out the same way they're working for you? You could be amongst believers right now who, who are having things going for them. They just make a simple prayer and things just work for them. And you're asking Jesus, but why are things not working for me? And Jesus has got an answer for that. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. That sounds very harsh, sounds very mean, but I would like to believe some of the reasons why we're not getting results in our lives is this thing called lack of belief. I'm not, I'm not attributing every lack of result in your life as a result of lack of unbelief, but definitely there is a portion in our lives where we have failed to see results because we don't have enough faith in our hearts. And this is what Jesus was saying. So the reason why you could not cast this devil out is because of your unbelief. And today, if the shoe fits, please wear it. Don't feel bad about it because the Lord wants to help you. When you're honest about where you're at, there's a possibility of you being helped. When you go to the doctor's room, the doctor will ask you, what is your problem? He will ask you, where is the pain? When you say to the doctor, doctor I actually don't know where the pain is. There's a big problem because he doesn't know where to start. But the moment you tell him I've got a back pain, he knows where to start looking for solutions. So this morning, this is what I'm trying to say to us. Let's be open to what God wants to do in our lives. Now Jesus says there, because of your unbelief, for truly I say to you, if you have faith 
like a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, as we alluded to last week, that the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds you can find. And yet Jesus says, if you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you'll get great results in your life. And last week we said the mustard seed is very small, is between one and two millimeters in diameter. It is so small that if it drops to the ground, if you don't have 20-20 vision, you might not be able to pick it up. You might not be able to see it because of how small it is. But Jesus says, if your faith, if you have genuine faith, it doesn't matter how small that faith is, you'll get great results. Now, though the mustard seed is very small, yet when the seed has grown through its full cycle, it produces one of the biggest herbal trees. Jesus talks about that further down in Matthew chapter 13. When the mustard seed has gone to its full potential, it yields a huge herbal tree. And this morning, that is what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the paradox of the mustard seed. Hallelujah. The paradox of the mustard seed. Why is it a paradox? It is a paradox because on one hand, you've got the smallest of all seeds. But on the other hand, this small seed brings forth one of the largest herbal trees. That's a paradox for me. Jesus says, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, this same faith will enable you to move mountains. Glory be to God. The paradox of the mustard seed. When you go to Matthew 13 verse 31, the Bible says, this Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Again, the mustard seed comes up, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is a list of all seeds. Take note of that. Which indeed is the list of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in its branches. The mustard seed is a list of all seeds, but when it is fully grown, it produces the greatest of all herbal trees. Now, when you get born again, through the working of the Spirit of God, on hearing the Word of God, the Spirit of God enables you to start believing in Jesus. Because it is through the work of the Holy Spirit, on the Word you would have received, that you're able to, be, to believe Jesus unto salvation. Now, it talks about the measure of faith. So each one of us are given a measure of faith. Now I'm going to read from Romans chapter 12 verse 3. The context of this verse is around the giftings that God has given us. Where Paul was saying, let each one of you operate within the confinements of the measure of faith you have received. Matthew 12 verse 3 says, Therefore I say, though the grace, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but set your mind to be right-minded, even as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You see, there's a starting point, and that starting point is the first gift of faith that God, God gives you for you to be able to believe in Jesus. It is through that measure of faith that all the other gifts get to operate in our lives. You see, when you receive that first gift of faith, it made it possible for you to operate in all the other dimensions of the gifts of God. Now, faith is a starting point. Now, when you read in Ephesians 2 verse 8, the Bible says, For you are saved by grace through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. This morning, each one of us receive a measure of faith. And that measure of faith is what Jesus refers to as the mustard seed. It is the genuine faith. Last week we spoke about presumption. The difference between living in presumption and living in genuine faith. Now the mustard seed, like any other seed, has got so much potential in it. It has got capacity to grow into something of greatness. It to become a fully grown up tree. 
Now to each and every one of us, we have that mustard seed type of faith which has potential and ability to give us results. Now in, in order to fully benefit from the seed, there's got to be a process that needs to take place between the seed and this tree that we are talking about. Now Jesus says if you have genuine faith, the size of a mustard seed, through that faith you'll be able to yield a lot of results. Now when you read deeper into this, you'll realize that a seed by itself doesn't do much good to humankind. Unless something happens to the seed, you will not enjoy what is, what is inside the seed. And that is what Jesus is talking about. He gives you genuine faith, but it is what you do with that genuine faith that will enable you to move mountains. Now when Jesus says, you shall say unto this mountain, be moved, it, it's a proverbial statement. Because today, if there is a table mountain next to you, I'm not sure if God will enable you to move it unless there's really a need for you to move the mountain. So when God says you shall move mountains, he's talking about the challenges you're facing in your marriage. He's talking about the lack of job in your life, the lack of joy that you have in your life. And then he says these challenges, you'll be able to tell them where to go and they will go. Now I want to make an illustration here. I've got a pot plant, if you can help me with that. Now we are talking about the mustard seed type of faith. Jesus was referring to the genuine faith that comes in the form of a seed. Thank you very much, Lozzy. Sometimes you think if Lozzy is not around, we'll close the church. Because <laughs> he's, he's just amazing. Yeah. You agree with me? Yes. Guys, you don't know Lozzy. I'm telling you. Okay, I'll make some illustration this morning. And I want you, by the eye of your spirit, to see this pot plant as a huge tree. As a huge herbal tree that is giving forth flowers, giving forth fruit. Birds are coming and they're chowing on the fruit. Everybody's enjoying the shadow that comes because of the tree. God blessed us with a house that has so many huge trees in our yard. We get to sit under the shadow of those trees. We bless the Lord for that. Now Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, this faith will enable you to move mountains. This faith will enable you to say to this mountain, be thou moved, and the mountain will move. But this morning I want you to realize that as long as your faith remains a mustard seed, it's not of much benefit to you. Now there's got to be a process from this mustard seed to achieving a great herbal tree in your life. Because you see, when this mustard seed falls into the crack of a rock, that rock will remain as long as the seed remains as a seed. It's only when the seed starts germinating and it grows to be a shoot, to become a tree, that that rock will crack in between because the tree becomes so big that the, 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 the rock cannot contain it anymore. Many people right now have got genuine faith, but the faith has remained in the seed form. Believe it or not, if you try and eat seed, it doesn't taste as good as the fruit. If you go to an apple tree, an apple fruit, you cut the fruit in the middle, you go to the core of the apple, there are seeds right there. Sometimes the apples are so juicy that you go right through the core, you eat even the seeds. And the moment you eat the seed, you feel like something has changed. Amen. You, you agree with me? Yes. But many people have been eating the seed. Many people have not been doing something with the seed that God has given you. Yeah. Glory be to God. Yeah. So what is that process that we need to go through from the seed that we have as a faith to a place where the faith becomes something that can yield results? Hallelujah. Amen. The apostles understood the need for the transformation. There's a transformation that needs to happen from the seed form of faith to the faith that yields results. And the apostles went to Jesus and says, Jesus, teach us how to grow our faith. That is the key this morning. When you look at Luke 17 verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Now this is my question this morning. What will make it possible for this paradox to start making sense? What will make it possible for us to understand that the connection between a mustard seed faith 
and the moving of mountains? What will make it possible for your master set faith to yield results that are astronomical in size? And yet when you look at the size of the seed, it's so small. Many people have ignored that seed of faith to a point where they have shipwrecked what God wants to do in their lives. For a moment, I want you to look at yourself and say, is my faith fully developed into a herbal tree or that genuine faith still remains as a small seed in your heart? What makes it possible for the seeds to become such a great tree? And that question can be answered by the term environment. The environment determines what happens to that seed faith into a plant that can yield much results. The environment determines the process, the synthesis that goes through to a point where the tree becomes so big that people around it cannot ignore it anymore. Do you know that if I drop this seed in the yard, you will ignore it, you won't even pay attention to it. But the moment you wake up in the morning and there's a huge tree in your yard, you say, wait a moment, what has just happened? When your faith is fully matured, you cannot be ignored. Amen. So when you look at the environment, there's an environment that seeds can only thrive in. It's not every environment that enables seeds to change from being a seed to being a tree. It's not every environment. You see, every year so many seeds are dispersed from their mothers and they fall onto the ground. But it's not every seed that goes forth to become a tree one day. Because some seeds die. Some seeds are eaten by birds of the air. Some seeds just remain dormant and they become part of the seed bag in the soil. Is that how your faith is like today? Only becoming part of the seed bag in the ground. You see, for certain seeds to germinate, they need temperatures of 35 degrees and above. And without that kind of temperature, the seed will never grow. And on the other side, there are seeds that will only grow after being exposed to very low temperatures, minus 15 degrees. And after they've gone through the low temperature, then the seeds realize it's time for us to come out. For some seeds to grow, they don't need light. But there are some seeds that will never germinate unless they receive the right amount of light in their lives. Today I'll ask you a question. How much light has been going on to that seed faith that you carry today? There, you know, for most seeds, they need an amount of water. There's got to be an amount of water that has to be on, on them for them to actually germinate. All these principles that, re, that apply to this natural seed have an implication on your master seed faith. Now the question is, how do all these environments and these principles apply to us? How are we able to close this contrast between the master seed faith and the results that Jesus says you'll have when you have this genuine type of faith? I want to take you through that environment right now. Are we ready to hear the word? Yes. So this environment, number one, for your master seed faith to grow to a point where it becomes a herbal tree that everyone else can enjoy and see results, you've got to continuously expose your faith to the word of God. Uh, we're going to take you to the basics. We can try and bring up all sorts of revelations, but if the basics are not covered, we will never re- see results in our lives. I have seen so many people going for deeper issues in their lives and ignoring the basics and no results are seen in their lives. Are we together this morning? So I'm saying for your mustard seed faith to grow, you need to expose it continuously to the word of God. Now listen to this statement. What you hear determines what you believe. And what you believe determines how your life will end up. That, that is why they say your theology determines your morality. Mm. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. I want you to hear this very clearly. What you hear determines what you believe. Yeah. And what you believe determines the outcome of your life. The question is, what have you been hearing all along? Let's go to Romans chapter 10 from verse 13. The Apostle Paul says, Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? 
And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So he's building a case here. So he's saying everyone who calls upon Jesus will be saved. But then how can they believe if they haven't heard about Jesus? But then how can they believe if there's no one actually teaching them about Jesus? Now he says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. Now, for faith to even start, there's got to be a hearing. Are we together this morning? For this mustard seed that we're talking about to even be sown in your heart, there's got to be a hearing. But that is only the beginning. You would agree with me that there are times that you sit in a message like, in a service like this. You hear the word of God, and all of a sudden there's a burst of faith in your heart. And you feel like you can take on the world. You feel like my marriage will be sorted tonight. You feel like tomorrow I'm going to get a job. You feel like tomorrow you're going to get married. Why? Because the word of God that has been released in the service brings out a burst of faith in your heart. Mm. That's what happens to all of us. Would you agree with me? Have you felt like that before? Yeah. When you feel like God bring it on, whatever the enemy throws at me, I'm able to contain because of the faith that I have. Yeah. Glory be to God. Amen. I wish we could all just stay here, sleep here, do life here because there seems to be faith around us. But guess what? When Jesus was on the mountain with his three disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was transfigured, and then Peter was saying, and then Moses and Elijah appeared, and, and Peter said, I think it's really great for us to remain on the mountaintop. Let's do some three hearts for you guys and let's remain here. You see, there's a mountaintop experience, but we don't do life on the mountaintop. Glory be to God. We do life down in the valley. That is where our faith gets tested. Are we together this morning? So Jesus said, ah, Peter, you're missing the point. Here is just a pep talk. Life happens down in the valley. So you come to church, your faith gets so ignited, and you're excited to face on your world, and then tomorrow reality strikes. Bam, you're at work. The boss is still the same boss. He's still as nasty as he was. Your wife is not paying attention to you. She's the same wife she was before you heard the message. What are you going to do about it? Now, the key here is what do you expose your master seed faith to that will determine the results that you'll get from that seed? Hallelujah. That is why I'm saying you've got to continuously expose your faith to the word of God. Because the more you hear something over and over and over again, the more you can believe it's reality. You see, if the word here, and I'm telling you that you're more than a conqueror, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, there's a faith that jumps up, but when you go to your house, you've got to hear more of that. To reinforce that faith. To cause that faith to rise up to become such a great tree. But our problem, having heard that word, we go back and we expose our faith to a toxic environment that kills the seed. Do you see the trick right there? That you hear the word and you're excited about it, but you go back to your home, it's an intoxicated environment. (laughs) Do you know that it's not about just the, the water that you throw on the plant, it's the quality of the water. You see, when you say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, in the Bible, the word is seen as water. So when you expose your faith seeds to the word, you're simply watering that faith. Now, this is the tricky thing. You're still hearing stuff, and there's different types of faith that you can pick up. You know that when you hear certain things, you can believe stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean what you're believing is the correct thing. Now, the question is, what have you been hearing? How much time do you spend with people that pour the right type of water on your seed? Because there are certain people that when you you come across, they intoxicate you. You go to them full of faith, you leave them and that seed is dead. Mm. Have you been there before? What type of water are you pouring on that master seed to ensure that it grows to become a huge herbal tree? Glory be to God. So you need to continuously expose 
this seed to, uh, to, to the water, and the water will enable the seed to germinate and become the greatest of plants. It has huge implications on the amount of time you spend watching certain types of movies. You see, sometimes you think it's just a word that should build me. But when you sit in your lounge and you watch certain movies, do you know that you're actually hearing stuff? Yeah. And faith comes by hearing? Yeah. And you can develop negative faith, which is fear, because you're hearing stuff that doesn't build the right type of faith. Because we know that fear, it is faith working in the opposite. He mm. says, as believers, we need to come to a place where we draw a line in the sand and say there are certain types of music that will never be played in our cars. Mm. There are certain types of movies that will never be bought for our lounge. Yes. Glory be to God. Amen. Because you know, you know very well that these movies will not build you. Mm. Watering will exceed faith. Yeah. That's our issue right now. You are pouring water, but it is poisoned water. And it's not, it doesn't stop there by just hearing bad type of music or see, seeing bad type of movies. It's even listening to demonically inspired messages. That's right. False doctrine will kill your seed yeah. faith. That is why you can't afford to be gullible and say because it's an MOG, therefore it settles it. No. You've got to discern and say this is not of God, I'm not going to take it. That sounds a bit harsh. But you've got to be to God what God has given you generously. Hallelujah. Amen. Point number two. So we have spoken about watering of that seed faith. So that this transition can take place from a mustard seed to a fully grown tree. A tree that your kids can enjoy. Because when you have functional faith, your children will see it. Last night, our, young, our, our son was caught up with some fever. So he was, he was calling from his bedroom. And I went to him. My natural reaction was to lay hands on him and say, rebuke the spirit of fever from you. Yeah. Mm. And then afterwards, down the line, the, the mother went and gave him some Panadol. <laughs> but that wasn't our default. <laughs> Guys, there's nothing wrong with medication. But what's your first port of call? When stuff happens in your life, is it a doctor? When your faith grows, your natural reaction will be going in and laying hands on the sick. Glory be to God. So you need to water your faith. Point number two, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about dealing with this paradox between the smallness of the seed and the results that the seed can yield in your life. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to listen to this. The absence of revelation in your life is equivalent to the absence of faith. I'll repeat that again. The absence of revelation in your life is equivalent to the absence of functional faith. Because your faith can only grow based on the truth that you have internalized. You see, it's not the general truth that changes your life. It's not the general truth that changes that master seed to becoming a huge tree. Otherwise, each and every one of us would be like huge trees. Because every single Sunday we hear the general truth. But it is that truth that gets revealed to you that will change that master seed faith to becoming a fruit yielding tree. Glory be to God. It's not general truth. That is why we cannot live on borrowed revelation. Come on now. Do you hear me this morning? Borrowed revelation is good enough up at a certain point. But there is a point where borrowed revelation will not work. Because you need specific revelation for your specific challenges. Hallelujah. That is why Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. So when you wake up in the morning, the Bible says for his mercies are new every morning. So you've got to wake up with an anticipation of something fresh. Our challenge is we wake up and we still eat on built on. We are feeding on stale revelation that can no longer deal with our current circumstances. And you start questioning, I've been hearing the word. Stuff is not happening in my life. It's because you're living on built on. <laughs> Back in the days, in the old days when they used to have trips along the sea, it used to be long trips and they wouldn't have enough vitamin C's or fruits and all that. They'll end up developing scabies in their gums. 
Many of us are like that spiritually because we've been eating off stale food. No fresh vitamins. So what I'm saying today is that it's only the revealed truth that will build your faith. Now the Bible says in John 16 verse 13, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, he shall speak. And he will announce to you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will receive of mine and will announce it to you. Now he is called the spirit of truth. And one of his major duties is to reveal to us the truth. You see, what the spirit of God does, he listens to what the father is saying about you, Mama Cecilia. The Holy Spirit listens to what the Father is saying and then he comes to you and he whispers in your heart. It is that revelation that will boost your faith for you to believe the impossible. Do you hear me this morning? That is why we need to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He exposes us to the fullness and the nature of God. It will be such a beautiful thing for us to get to that point where wherever we are, we hear the Spirit of God whispering to us every single time what the Father is saying. 1 Corinthians chapter, nine verse, chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear had, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now many lives stop right there. We are living in a realm of not hearing, in the realm of not understanding, in the realm of not seeing, but I believe today that's not our portion. For us to be in a place of not knowing, being in limbo of how we should build our faith. But then the writer continues and says, but God. Somebody says, but God. God. Hallelujah. You see, when God is around, things are not as they seem. When God is around, he changes around the circumstances. If you allow him to come into your life, he will change things. Now it says here, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For who among men knows the things of a man except the spirit of God? But we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit from God, so that we might know the things that are freely given to us. You see, the moment you know what has been freely given to you, you are able to believe for it. Our problem is we are in ignorance. We don't know what has been freely given unto us. That is why we need to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The only way to boost your faith it is to know more about what is in store for you. You see, when I know what tomorrow has for me, I will walk into tomorrow without fear, irrespective of my circumstances. I remember when we moved from Cape Town six years ago. There was a time when in our church in Cape Town for 10 years, we were serving there. But there came a time where things were just unsettled in my spirit, man. I had a great relationship with my pastor, with the leaders. They saw there were no issues. But all of a sudden, I found myself restless in my spirit in 2010, beginning of 2010. And I was unhappy in the church, not because something had changed, but the seasons were changing. That's right. And I remember the Spirit of God saying to me, I'm going to take you out into a place that is great, into a, a spacious place. Now, I wasn't sure where he was taking me. And then I started praying and saying, Lord, they opened the doors. The doors opened. We came out to Centurion. The reason why we were confident to live a comfort zone in Cape Town is because God had revealed things in our hearts by the Spirit. He said, I'm taking you to your next level. Now we came to Centurion. August the 15th, we walked into God Church, 2010. The church then was 25 people. But the Spirit of God witnessed in our hearts, this is the place I was talking about. A place that is expanding, expanding and you're going to grow. If we had walked by sight, there was nothing expanding with 25 people, physically speaking. There was one man, one woman on the keyboard leading worship. But there I could say that this is the place. And six years down the road, I still believe that word was true. My life has expanded. My life has grown. That is why I'm saying you need the Holy Spirit in your life to reveal things concerning you 
then you are able to believe. Your faith grows in line with what's revealed to you. Come on. Glory be to God. Yes. So it's all about doing life with the Holy Spirit. We talk about fellowshipping with one another. Let's do life with one another. Now in the absence of fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, your faith returns. Your faith returns. It doesn't grow. It goes backwards. Maybe you're in that place right now where your faith has retarded. Now when you talk about fellowship, it comes from the Greek term koinonia, which simply talks about having stuff in common. It comes from the prefix koinos, which is commune. When people have stuff in commune, they are fellowshipping together. So when you do life with the Holy Spirit, you can no longer just walk into the shop and just buy stuff. You're able to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you think of this? Amen. And the Holy Ghost will say to you, Ash, that one isn't good on you. <laughs> you see, you become a friend. You see, the Holy Spirit is one of the three uh, personalities of God that we've ignored. Amen. And yet Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'll send the Holy Spirit who shall be your guide, your comforter, your advocate. So when you fellowship with the Holy Spirit in combination with meditating on the Word, that is why I started with the Word. You see, when you're watering your faith seed with the Word, you start asking the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the mystery in this Word. Then the Holy Spirit starts revealing to you the mysteries in the Word just for you. And then one day you walk to church and you're saying stuff that don't make sense to us because we're not there when the Holy Spirit spoke to you. The reason why many people have done ridiculous things and successful in them is because they are walking with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It's because the Holy Ghost is telling them stuff that he hasn't told you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much of the Holy Spirit have you been walking with? That is very, very key. Point number three. So we are talking about the transition from the master seed faith. I want you to get this concept. Because then you are able to read those scriptures and they make sense to you. The transition from the master seed, the genuine faith, to a place where it becomes so huge and that people can't ignore you. Number three, you've got to operate in agreement with other believers. I want you to note, I'm not saying walk in agreement with anyone. I want you to walk in agreement with other believers, other faith-filled people. Because you can walk with anybody, but it doesn't necessarily result in your faith growing. You see, there's a multiplication of faith that comes when believers walk together in unity. There's a corporate anointing that kicks in when believers are standing together in unity and trusting God for results. One of our major problems is that we have grown so much that we have come to a point of saying, I don't need nobody around me. I'm not going to share my issues with anyone. I cannot tell them until stuff has happened. Do you know that if there is a door that's about to open, some believers are very cautious to talk about it. They say, please believe with me. Trust with me. We want to do it by ourselves. Self-made people. Say, I believe God by myself. And he gave me these results. Child of God, there is a place for that. But there's also a place where you need the corporate anointing. That is why we talk about coming together as believers. The Bible says, do not stop coming together. Do not ignore the gathering of believers as in the habit of some of you. That's what the scripture says. As in the habit of some of you. I believe you if it was Pastor Paul preaching, he said, if my eyes land on you, it's not like I'm referring to you. He would say that, right? So there are things that can only happen in unity. There are things that can only happen when we join our faith together. When the Bible talks about two are better than one, it's exactly that principle. Two are better than one. Yes, physically, there's more strength, there's more stuff that you can do together in the physical realm. But as it is, I want you to know that in the spiritual realm, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the natural realm come out of the spiritual realm. That's right. They're really written into the spirit and we operate that in the flesh or in the, in the natural. Now, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he does not have another to help him. Am I talking to some people who have fallen before? 
Some people whose faith has gone down to the rocks. You see, if you had understood this principle, you'd have picked up the phone and say, man, please stay with me. I'm struggling in this area. Join with me. I need strengthening in this area. You see, there are certain people that you, you should have on, on speed dial on your phones. <laughs> because when, when the rubber hits the road, you need somebody who can stand with you. You need somebody who will tell you, listen, man, this is possible. Our God is able. Let's stand together in agreement. And guess what? There is an activation of angels in the, in the spiritual realm. And stuff starts happening on your behalf. Mm. Two are better than one. More often than not, the apostles would operate with this principle. They would look at someone who is sick. And if they would see that there is faith, they would join their faith with his faith for his healing. You see, when you come to the front and you are sick, the question is, do you actually believe that you will get healed? Yeah. Or you think that I want Pastor Paul's faith to work on my behalf? I don't have to believe. You see, when two people are praying, their faith converge and there's results. There's a story in the book of Acts where this whole issue happened, Acts chapter 14, verse 8. And a certain man was sitting in Lystra without strength in the feet, being lame from his mother's womb, who never had walked. This one had Paul speaking. It comes again. This one had Paul speaking. So it wasn't presumption. His faith was rising up, having had the word. So, and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Paul said with a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Convergence of the two faiths. The two of you has to operate in faith. Point number four. You might have been anticipating this one. You've got to exercise your faith. Just like your muscles. If you don't exercise the muscles, you lose them. It's a case of use it or lose it. Unfortunately, that's what it is in the spirit as well. Use your faith. Use that mustard feet, seed faith and then it becomes a huge tree or lose it completely. You see, when a muscle doesn't get exercised, it degenerates to fat. That is why the bodybuilders who stop doing lifting of weights, their muscles turn into fat and they battle with the shape of their bodies at some point. It's because the muscles would have degenerated. The same thing applies to you. You've got to exercise your faith. Do you know that there's what is called memory, muscle memory? Your muscles have got memory. So when you exercise, you pick up 20 kgs, your muscles now record that I can do 20 kgs. Now you've got to push yourself to go to 25. Those who do cycling, your muscles will get used to do 40 k's. So when you're going to a race that is 60 k's, the last 20 k's you will struggle. Because your muscles say, I've never been here before. I've never been here before. I'm dead. I'm dead. I can't do this. That's what happens to your faith. Your faith, your faith has got memory as well. So I want you to understand that your faith operates in levels as well, in stages. So when you have believed God for the healing of the headache, your faith knows that I can trust God for healing of the headache. Now you need to water the faith for you to move on to trust God for the healing of your stomach bug. Of the tumor that you have developed on your right hand. What am I talking about here? You've got to exercise your faith. Now for you to exercise your faith, there has to be a level of boldness. You've got to be brave. You see, the Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They will lay hands upon the sick, and the sick shall be healed. That's what the word says. It applies to every believer because it's these signs are full of them that believe. Therefore, it's simply now waiting for me to step out out of my comfort zone and say, you're sick. I believe God can heal you. Do you mind if I lay hands on you? Our problem is that step of boldness. Many of us will agree with me that we see people who are sick at our workplaces, but we are afraid. We are afraid that he will not get healed. But you see, when you talk about faith, it's not faith in your ability. It's faith in God. Amen. That's our problem. We don't have any reputation to protect. Amen. So if it doesn't get healed, sorry, it's not my problem. <laughs> I have stepped out in faith. I don't know why it didn't get healed. Amen. I can't explain it. Yes. I have obeyed God. Therefore, I can't answer you. 
why you're not healed. But let's keep on believing. <laughs> you see, when you have a reputation to protect, you don't operate in faith. You don't exercise faith. People of God, it's not our reputation that's on stake, it's His reputation. Remember, it's His name. He says, in my name you cast out demons. Not in your name, not in Michael's name, but in Jesus' name. Therefore, it is His name that's on the line. That's why He will do stuff whenever you pray in His name. Glory be to God. Amen. The last point, for you to build your faith from a master seed. Are we together this morning? Amen. For you to build your to a place where it becomes a fully grown tree, you've got to bring to memory past victories. Bring to memory past victories. This is very key to boosting your faith. You see, it is powerful in building our faith in the sense that we are talking about in unchanging God. So when you build, when you bring back past memories, you are acknowledging the unchanging nature of God. You are acknowledging his ability. Therefore, because it doesn't change, he is able to bring results in your life. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, they overcame him by the word of their mouth. They overcame by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their mouth, and they did not love their lives until death. In this moment of tribulation, they overcame the enemy because they were testifying about Jesus. They said, he's the great king. He is the Lord of lords. He delivered us before, and we will not depart from him. We believe in who he is because he's been faithful before and he'll be faithful today. Glory be to God. So when you bring to memory past victories, what you are doing here, you are reminding the enemy of his real position. You are telling him of his past. You are telling him of what happened in the cross. You are telling him of today that Jesus is alive. When you killed him on the cross, you thought you are doing yourself a favor, not knowing that by killing him, you are bringing up more Jesus. That is why you have to deal with many of us and not just one Jesus. Hallelujah. You are also telling him of his future, that when all is said and done, you belong to the pits of hell. There is power in testimony. I'm not going to read the story of David, but when you read the story of David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's a story there where David went to the battlefield and he had Goliath speaking profanity to the armies of God. He went to King Saul and King Saul said to him, Hey, listen, youngster, you're just a boy. You're coming from the veld. You've never fought any wars, but you're now dealing with a Goliath who has been a warrior since his youth. You see what was happening there? Saul was projecting his defeat on David. The reason why Goliath was there 40 days talking to the people of God is because Saul did nothing about it. And now here's a man who says, I can take him on. Who have you been listening to? Maybe your mom has been telling you, you're never going to see You can't see You're good enough for the shower. You're good enough for the bedroom. But not here. But you know exactly what God has been saying to you. You know the heart that God has given you. So David went into the story and says, My king, listen to me. I was in the field. The Lord gave me victory over the bear. Hallelujah. Who has had victory over the bears in this place? Who has had victories over lions in this place? If you are one of those people who have had victories over your bears and over your lions, bring that memory back. Because the enemy wants you to forget about what God did for you in the past. So David said, the same God who delivered me from the mouth of the bear, from the paw of the lion, he will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Amen. Glory be to God. You see, people who operate in faith know exactly how to name their situation. His victory was on how he named Goliath and the victory that God has given him. He said, this uncircumcised Philistine, now you are saying, though he is a great man of war, but he has no covenant with the true God and therefore he is defeated. David understood who he was. This morning, what is it that God has done in your life? You've got to come to a place of bringing them back. But do you know what is the tricky thing to understand here? It's not about whether God is going to do something about your situation. It's how he's going to do it. Yeah. You see, you might be asking God to do the thing that he did yesterday. But God is saying, I'll do it, but in a different way. Are you prepared to allow God to do stuff in your life in a way that you never anticipated him to do it? 
So when you're saying, oh God, you delivered me from the mouth of the bear, don't expect him to do the same thing right now in the same way. He will still give you victory, but in a different way. Hallelujah. Amen. I want us to stand up on our feet. Did we get something this morning? Yes. So we're talking about the paradox of the mustard seed. The paradox of the mustard seed. When you understand the environment that you need to create for the process to take place, for you to move your mountains, you do life differently. You will fall in love with the word. You will fall in love with the spirit of God. You will fall in love with the people of God. You will fall in love with the works that God has done for you. Let's lift our hands and I'll pray for you. Dear Lord, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. I thank you for this faith-filled people. I thank you that, Father, you have deposited genuine faith in their hearts. And many of them have been asking, why have we not seen results? Father, this morning out of this word, I pray for a grace that will be able to develop the right environment that will enable them to see the results from this mustard seed of faith that they have. In the mighty name of Jesus, may you give them boldness, oh God. May you give them ability to stick it out, knowing that if you have done it before, you will do it again. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for the grace to believe again. I thank you for the spirit of faith in this place. I thank you for simplicity and humility that is working in the hearts of your people right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for what you will do. I thank you for sustaining your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. I want you to just clap your hands before the Lord. Thank <laughs> you.